This podcast is the overflow of a three and a half minute song called Jesus Happened. You can expect raw and real conversation, stories, and testimonies of my personal Jesus Happened moment, along with many others. So here we go with another episode of the Jesus Happened podcast. Jesus Well, well, well. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode. Yay! It's been a minute. It's been a few weeks. I think it's been over a month. Yikes. Since I've been able to record a new episode. I apologize for the slight inconsistency of season two. (laughs) You'd be surprised how much time one needs when recording these things. Like, it's it's a process. I love doing it, but it takes some time. Uh, I've missed this, and I've missed you, and I'm so grateful to have this tool of podcasting to share my heart and what the Lord is teaching me. So first things first, if you haven't heard the last episode I did with my friend Maddie called Purity and Deliverance, I highly recommend pausing this episode. Just stop it right here. Just pause and go back and listen. Uh, It was by far one of my favorites that I've done so far. I mean, all of them are my favorite, but the last one was just super special. We went into detail on Maddie's deliverance story, and it was just super insightful into the Spirit of God and how miraculous He is (laughs) in our lives when we fully surrender our mind, our will, our emotions. It was epic, y'all. I think one of the miracles that I often pray for is just a transformed heart. You know, I think it's easy to pray for the miracle of our health or we need a miracle in our finances or we need a miracle with our kids or our husband or whatever. But lately I've been praying for just the simple yet so serious (laughs) miracle of my heart being transformed Uh, because we all know it's a miracle when that can change. So this week I am, I'm chilling solo. I'm not interviewing anybody. I'm just going to talk to you guys about what the Lord has been showing me regarding my focus and my footing, which I'll explain here in a bit. And also I'm going to talk about some other exciting news, like the fact that my debut EP came out last week. Ah! It's called Joy Comes in the Morning. And I seriously love it. Like, I know I'm slightly biased, but I genuinely believe that even if I was the artist, I mean, even if I wasn't the artist singing the songs, I would still listen to these songs. Like, they're upbeat, they're worshipful, encouraging, and most of all, they're God-focused. And that's the kind of music I personally enjoy listening to. Um, So, before I dive into the topic that I wanted to tell you all about, Um, By the way, if you, (laughs) I doubt you can hear it, but I'm a little distracted because um, there's a guy on a uh, lawnmower machine. I don't know what what that's called. (laughs) And he's just riding back and forth in front of me and it's super loud. So if you can hear that, I apologize. 
Before I dive into the topic I want to tell you all about, um, my EP is out. Like, I have been waiting for this for like over a year. I've been writing these songs to Jesus, about Jesus, for Jesus, for, yeah, over a year, like I said. So the fact that my new music is out as of this past Friday is super, super exciting and I don't know. It's exhilarating. It's like it's like Christmas for a musician. <laughs> um, yeah, my de- my debut EP. I can't talk. My debut EP came out. It's called Joy Comes in the Morning. Um, I've been back out on radio tour, singing the songs for my friends at radio all around the country, and just sharing what God has been doing in my life. And I also got to shoot a music video for the song Joy Comes in the Morning recently, which was so much fun. You guys, oh my gosh, the call time for the shoot that day was like four in the morning and my sweet dear friends that were in it with me had to be there at 5 a.m. And it was just a blast. I was dripping sweat that morning because it was so humid in Nashville and I had to keep changing outfits for the storyline. It was hilarious. I can't wait for y'all to see it. Um, I also got to fly home to Dallas for a few days to spend some time with my sweet grandparents, Gigi and Pops, my younger sister, Abby, and my mama. And that was super special because I just haven't had a lot of downtime to get to go home to Texas. So I'm thankful for that. Let's see what else. Um, my husband and I are finding a nice little flow in our new marriage Uh, We got married December of 2020, in case you didn't know that, and we've been learning how to become one flesh, (laughs) and it's been beautiful and hard and beautiful. Uh, I love him so much. Also, if I could just give a quick word of encouragement and advice to any single girls out there, please trust the Lord with your future husband. James is 1,000% hand-picked for me, hand-chosen, divinely made for me. Like, he was chosen for me before the foundations of the world. He is so patient, so kind, he loves me so well, When I, especially when I fall for the enemy's lies and tend to take them out on him, which is not okay, by the way. Don't do that. Love your husbands if you're a wife, and if you don't have a husband, trust the Lord. Um... To bring, to bring him. I just want you to believe that if marriage is a desire of yours and, and it's the Lord's will for you, God will bring you your man. So don't worry. Don't try to manipulate your story and take it into your own hands, but calling it trusting God because it's not. And I've been there and it didn't turn out very pretty. Okay, that's enough of that for now. So the title of today's episode is Keep Your Focus and Footing. Let me explain. The other night, my husband and I were watching this random YouTube video where these people in Colorado, I think, were trying to capture a photograph of the moon at a specific time where they could see a friend of theirs slacklining. And if you don't know what that is, it's a sport. I think it's a sport where you tie up a really super skinny rope or a tight rope of sorts from one point to another. So it could be from a tree to a tree Or it could be what this guy was doing, which was at the top of a mountain from one rock to another rock with a huge drop underneath him. And you try to walk across it without falling. (laughs) Like this guy was at the top of a summit on a mountain, y'all. Like, I hope you can picture this. Maybe I'll link the video in the show notes of this podcast. 
but it was no joke. And oh, by the way, he wasn't wearing a harness. Yeah. So if you decide to slackline in your life, please wear a harness. <laughs> I'm not recommending this at all, but I am saying it was insanely cool and it brought me back to a word the Lord gave me probably a year ago now during a church service on a Friday night. I remember laying there during a moment where the presence of God was so strong, so heavy all around me, <laughs> and I heard the Lord speak to me. He said, y'all aren't ready for this. I wasn't ready for this. He said, you've been faithful with little. Now I'm giving you much, but be careful not to lose your focus or footing. Uh, I'm telling y'all what, it was as clear a word as if someone was sitting right there whispering in my ear. Like I heard it very clearly. I'm pretty sure I heard it three times in a row. And I knew it was God because he often speaks to me in this way where he gives me an encouragement and then a warning, like right after the encouragement. Because he loves me and the Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. That that means that they are his legitimate children. And there's a bunch of verses about that topic alone, which you can go look up if you want to. But as I was watching this guy on YouTube slacklining with no harness on a mountaintop in the middle of the night with this giant moon behind him, I started thinking about how much focus and footing and discipline that that had to take. Like every step he took was life or death, literally. And if he didn't keep his eyes up and where they needed to be, he would fall and get very injured, if not die. And the same is true with us on our spiritual journeys with Jesus. There's a line in a song we sing at church that I absolutely love that says, uh, I'll just sing it to you. It goes, keep your eyes up, keep your, keep your eyes up, keep your eyes up, keep your, keep your eyes up. Don't be weighed down by earthly things. We are seated in heavenlies. Which is the truth. We, if you're a believer, are seated in the heavenlies. And what that means is our real life is there. It's not here. It's then. It's not now. But until then, we are called to walk very carefully down a narrow road. Matthew 7. Or, in other words, a tightrope. <laughs> and we're supposed to follow Jesus. Not our emotions. Not our dreams. Not our goals. Not what we think is best. But him, do you think Moses understood with his mind when God told him to stretch out his hand and the waters would, that the waters would open up? I highly doubt it. I can just picture myself hearing the Lord say, Baylor, drive to Old Hickory Lake in Nashville and stretch out your hand and the waters will part and you and the other believers will be able to cross. <laughs> like, I can't imagine what Moses was thinking, but... What I do know is that he trusted the voice of God and he believed God was and is who he says he is. So when the Lord gave me that word, you've been faithful with little, I'm giving you much. Be careful not to lose your focus or footing. I trust it. I trusted it and I trust it now. I had no idea that what I was about to be given was things I had been waiting for for years, which aren't bad things. However, God knew and obviously was warning me that these things were about to possibly tempt me to take my eyes off of him and to replace him as my number one. 
Um, for example, my husband, <laughs> I love you, baby, but God brought you this last year and you're super cute. You're super fun. I don't know why I started talking directly to him, but I did. <laughs> my husband is so cute and he's so fun and he could easily become an idol if I allowed him to. But I know that James cannot save me, first of all. And second of all, he's just a man. He can't meet my deepest needs or my divine ones. Only God can. Another gift or blessing I received this year was a record deal, which is super cool sounding. And if you watch the show Nashville or if you know anything about music, record deals are one step closer to what the world calls making it in music. (laughs) What does that even mean, making it? Making what? Making a mark? Making an influence? I do not like that term. Plus, I really believe that that is a worldly cultural phrase that is so not the point and not important in the grand scheme of things. The only making it I'm trying to make is to heaven. (laughs) And I will in Jesus name and you will in Jesus name if you're a follower of Christ because our trust and our hope and our confidence is not in ourselves or it shouldn't be. It should be in God. And there are so many moments throughout my day where I have to remind myself that I am not that big of a deal, that I cannot save myself, and that God is my focus and that God is the one who saves me and has saved me from hell. (sighs) Okay, so like I was saying, God was warning me that I was about to receive all these new things, these new blessings that would tempt me to lose my focus and my footing if I allowed them to. So, how do we not let things that God gives us take our focus? <laughs> because they're so right in front of us. You know what I mean? Like, you, you get a husband or you get, I don't know, a financial blessing or um, you and your mom are reconciled or, or you and your best friend. Um, you meet your best friend. I don't know what it is. Whatever blessing you've been praying for, let's say God gives it to you. Well, since the beginning of time, Man, the fallen man has unfortunately taken what God gives you, gives them and gives us and turned it into an idol and to the focus point. And that's not what God wants. He wants our hearts. He wants our eyes. And so, um, man, I'm just thinking about that slacklining guy again, the tightroping walking dude. (laughs) Like if he had gotten distracted, he would have fallen to his death. And, oh man, it just reminds me of Genesis, you know, where God was like, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And that's what, that's what happened. They spiritually died. (sighs) Man, I think it's Francis Chan that uses an analogy and maybe it was someone else before him where he holds out a piece of rope or a hemp string of sorts in his sermon, like up on the platform, he holds out this rope and he's, he colors the center with like red marker And that section of the rope, which is teeny tiny in comparison to the length of the entire rope, represents your life and my life on earth. And the rest represents eternity. And he's talking about how short and how but a vapor our lives here on earth are and how it matters how we live because that affects where we end up. The verse that comes to mind right now, even while talking about this, is in Matthew 24, where it says, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved like 
we have to focus and keep our footing, y'all. I have to focus and keep my footing in, in, in order to endure to the end. I think it can be hard in a world full of social media and news media and after school activities and sports and five-year plans and goals and dreams and hopes and blah, 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 to remember to focus on God. That focusing on him is the most important thing of our entire little lives, that we won't be here very long in the grand scheme of things, but that eternity lasts forever. And I'm so thankful to be constantly reminded by the Holy Spirit and by my church and by his word what actually matters, that my faith in God is not your faith in God. That your faith in God is not my faith in God. <laughs> that my relationship with him is not your relationship. Like it's all dependent on our own individual relationships with him and our own faith. Being close to Jesus is all that matters, y'all. Spending time with him, reading him, worshiping him, getting to know him is all that matters. So another thing that I want to talk about is when God used the word footing in his warning to me. The Bible talks heavily about false prophets and end times and that in the end times there will be many false prophets appearing who will deceive many people, even the chosen people, and will lead people off the cliff, so to speak. And I don't know about you, but I'm already seeing many false teachers and false teachings that are successfully leading people the wrong way. Lord have mercy. 2 Timothy 4 verse 3 says, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Uh, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Oh my gosh. Y'all, this is in the Bible. I mean, it's very black and white and clear that Jesus was warning us then and is warning us now that no one is above falling, not you, not me. And the only way to endure to the end is to focus and fall in love deeper with him and with Jesus. And I'm not saying all this to scare you, but kind of like the the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And like when I heard that this was important, that my faith enduring to the end, that that my race was dependent on keeping my eyes on Jesus. Like when I heard that news, it did put the fear of the Lord in me, but it also put the comfort of the Holy Spirit that like, oh my gosh, like I get to follow him. I get to focus on him. Like it's such a perspective shift when you think of it that way. And the only life experience example that I can give you in regards to relating to this scenario is before I started following Jesus, I I used to surround myself with people that were like me. They were living in sin, leading me to live in sin, but meanwhile telling me that it wasn't that big of a deal. You know, like what I was doing wasn't that wrong. Like that going that far with a guy is not that big of a deal. Like, come on, it's not that big of a deal. And they were telling me what my itching ears wanted to hear. Ah! And the reason I listened was because I was trying to justify how I was living in sin. They were telling me what I wanted to hear because of my desires. Because at that point, my desire wasn't for Jesus yet. My desire was for whatever I felt, whatever I wanted, whatever I was feeling that day, you know? And it was me and what I wanted and what I thought was best for me. It was fame and attention from anyone. It was just all about me. 
Guys, like it really matters what you're focused on and how you're living and what road you're walking down. And it matters what your desires are. If you know the Bible, you know that there are godly desires and there are ungodly desires. You know, for example, a godly desire, like I said before, is to be married. God created marriage. He created sex. He knows that sex is supposed to be in the in and only in a marriage that that outside the bounds of marriage sex is a sin like if you're not married <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking about this but maybe it's really important uh that if you're not married you shouldn't be having sex that God created it and he he knows that to wait to have it in marriage is going to be the biggest blessing ever that it hurts you when you're outside of marriage doing that you know and and I'm not just talking about only the act of sex I'm talking about anything sexually related you know um that that causes you to stumble and that's probably a whole different podcast but I don't know I just it's so important how you're living I'm just going to keep saying that probably this entire podcast (laughs) because that's what the Holy Spirit is is speaking to me so I know I've probably talked about this next story or this next thing on the podcast before but I want to talk about a few years ago before my Jesus happened moment God gave me a dream where I was standing on a road but my feet were stuck and in front of me was eternity you know it was like this beautiful mountainside with beautiful flowers and trees and plants and grass and um, mountaintops and like it was just stunning and I knew that it represented eternity and as I was standing on this road to my left was this door. It was a disappearing door. If you, if you've ever seen Harry Potter, you know, it was one of those giant scary looking doors that you don't know what's behind it, but you're kind of interested in seeing. Um, and I'm not, I'm not condoning Harry Potter by the way, but the door looked like something out of a Harry Potter movie and it was disappearing. Like it was, it was appearing And then it was disappearing and it made me want to walk through it. Like there was something intriguing about it. There was something that made me want to see what's behind that door. And then there was a door to my right, which was a small narrow gate and it was slightly cracked open. And I remember thinking, that's interesting, huh? And I woke up from the dream. This is before I knew Jesus And I remember a few days later, I opened up my Bible for whatever reason. Thank you, Jesus. And I opened up to Matthew 7, where it talks about the narrow road and the narrow gate. Shocker. The Lord was trying to wake me up to reality, to his reality, to the spirit that I was on a road. I was at a point in my life where I was needing to choose which way I was going to go, that he was mercifully showing me that I was about to choose the wrong direction. If not, I already had. I know I had because I was living in sin, but God was mercifully drawing me back to the narrow road. And man, I don't know. I just think it's so important for you to assess your spiritual reality. Like what road are you walking down? You know, which road are you on right now? Were you on the narrow road and you've backslidden onto a different one or you took a wrong turn and went through an open door that was intriguing, um, that was, you know, trying to get your itching ears to listen to it. Maybe it was a person that told you it's not that big of a deal. You don't have to focus on God. You don't have to like, you know, care about what the Bible says, not the entire Bible. I mean, maybe just a little bit of it. Okay. That is not God. 
That is the devil. The devil's been doing that since the beginning of time with Adam and Eve. He's a snake. He's sneaky. He slithers into our itching ears and tries to get us to not only get distracted, but also to get us off the narrow road. I love how C.S. Lewis talks about in the Screwtape Letters. I think I bring that book up like almost every episode. But in in the book, The Screwtape Letters, which I highly recommend, C.S. Lewis talks about and gives examples of how the devil tempts us and and what the devil's agenda is. And it really isn't against us. It's against Jesus. But he is coming to steal, kill, and destroy our faith. So if there's things in your life that come and they steal your joy, they steal your focus, I highly recommend cutting them out. That's what I had to do. I had to completely cut out not only friend groups, but also desires in my heart that were ungodly, that were stealing my focus. One of them at that point was music. I was focused on music, you know, and it was taking a too high of a priority in my life. So I cut it out for a season, you know, and God has mercifully brought it back and redeemed it. And that's, you know, a whole story. But I just encourage you to really assess where you're at in your faith and and where is your relationship with Jesus actually Do you wake up in the morning and long to be with him? Do you open your Bible and does it come alive to you? Or is it just dry words on a page? Because if it is, that's not how God wants it to be. He is oil. He is wine. (laughs) His spirit brings things to life, you know? Because if you're reading the word and and it is dry bread, then that just means that the Holy Spirit is not being poured on it while you're reading it. Um, So I just... Yeah, I encourage you to ask the Lord, hey, hey, God, dear Lord, please bring the word to life to me. Please birth your word in my life. Like, it's just so important um, that you are in relationship with the Lord. You know, I think one of the reasons that I'm feeling so passionate and urgent about this topic in particular, that is to keep your focus and footing is not only did God speak it to me, but I've noticed over the last year, the last six months even, how easy it is to take your eyes off the Lord for whatever reason, for whatever it is. Um, one thing that my pastor teaches a lot about is the Bible says, do not be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. Um, do not worry. It talks a lot about, you know, God, if God cares about the sparrows and the lilies of the field, how much more does he care for you? And something that my pastor talks about is that worry is not just like a temptation or like a feeling or an emotion, but that it's a lust of the flesh, that it's a desire. Like, have you ever heard the term, oh, he or she is a worry wart? You know, like that's something that people like take as an identity, like in a good way. Some, you know, they act like it's, I'm so, you know, I don't like worrying, but then they continue worrying. (laughs) it's like, why are you worried? (laughs) Do you trust in God? You know what I mean? So I think it's just so important. Like you could, your focus could, could have left a long time ago onto worry or anxiety or depression. And what's so scary is that our world and even the church in certain churches is okaying that is okaying the fact that like, Oh, you're worried. It's okay. Like you're just walking through something hard. No, the Bible says, do not worry. And And I'm not saying that I have learned this completely, but I am saying that this past year, there have been multiple moments and tests of my faith that I have failed, (laughs) probably failed, where worry came knocking at my door and I 
invited it in and just listened to it and had coffee with it, you know, and let it stay over and then let it stay for a few days. And then it became weeks, you know, and finally I kicked that sucker out of there and remembered God and remembered that I can trust the Lord, that no matter what is going on in my life, big or small, most likely it's small and it just feels big, that it doesn't matter in comparison to Jesus, you know? So yeah, I hope that encourages you and, you know, convicts you maybe or challenges you to just get your focus back on Jesus, no matter what it costs, you know, cut the, cut that friend out that is causing you to compromise or, you know, quit that job that is also causing you to compromise. Or maybe they're saying, you know, I I would not be surprised if jobs not only require you to get vaccines and all that jazz, but also require you to not speak about the Lord soon. Like, I think that's where we're at. I think that will be coming soon. And, and it's, you know, in, in the South where I, where I live in Nashville, it's easy to just call yourself a Christian and no one gets mad at you about that. Everyone quote unquote understands. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm a Christian too, whatever. But I think that in the next few years, it's going to require some boldness to be a Christian. Like you're going to need to really, really get serious. (laughs) And so am I. I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself. Like we are going to have to take a stand um, for the Lord. You know, there is only one way to heaven, y'all. And it is through putting all your faith in Jesus Christ who died for you, who paid for your ticket to heaven. It's done. It's paid for. But in order to cash in that ticket, you have to lay your life down and live every day like it actually could be your last. Because we we just don't know, y'all. The world is... Like I said, getting darker and darker and darker, and it matters how we're living. So, <sighs> wow, praise the Lord. So for the rest of this episode, I, I just feel to read the entire chapter of Matthew 24, um, which I quoted earlier, um, and I pray that your heart and your spirit would be open to the words of Jesus, that you wouldn't check out just because I'm reading the Bible, but that you would let it wash over you, um, that you would hear actual Jesus, the spirit of Jesus not a church or a pastor, not even my words or my voice, but Jesus. So here's Matthew 24 in the New Living Translation. The title is, in my Bible, it says, Jesus Speaks About the Future. As Jesus was leaving the temple grounds, his disciples pointed out to him the various temple buildings. But he responded, Do you see all these buildings? I tell you the truth. They will be completely demolished. (laughs) not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives. His disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will signal your return and the end of the world? Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, but you will hear And you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Don't panic. Don't worry. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. I'm going to pause really quick because... 
as I'm recording this episode, there are incredibly devastating things going on in Afghanistan. And if you if you listen to this later, um, you may not know about it or or whatever. I, I'm just going to pray right now in Jesus' name for every person in Afghanistan that is being beheaded and put up on a cross and killed for the name of Jesus, for believing in Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would comfort them, that they would, um, that they would remember Paul's words, that it is to live is Christ and to die is gain. Um, that they would, uh, yeah, that they would just be comforted in Jesus name in Jesus, holy, holy name. Cause the Bible says right here in Matthew 24, verse nine, then you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. And that's what's happening over there. So we're not far, we're not far from that. Like I wouldn't be surprised, um, if in the next, you know, even in our generation or the next generation, this starts happening. But obviously, like it says, there has to be, there's some other things that have to happen first. So, um, oh my goodness. So you will be arrested, persecuted and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. (laughs) And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. God, I just pray right now that you would give us believers the strength to endure to the end. That in our weakness, you are strong, Lord. That we would remember that even when we feel so weak, and like we can't bear it any longer, that we would still not um, bow to the world, that we would not bow to our feelings, to our emotions, in Jesus' name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world, so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Verse 15, the day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. In parentheses, my Bible says, reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. That's you and me. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. So if someone tells you, look, the messiah is out in the desert, don't bother to go and look. Or, look, he is hiding here. Don't believe it. For as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes." Just as the gathering of vultures shows that there is carcass nearby, so these signs indicate that the end is near. Immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then, at last, 
the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among all the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven (laughs) with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now, learn a lesson from the fig tree. I love Jesus. He goes, When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way that you see all these things, you can know his return is very near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen, not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets, and parties, and weddings, right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize that what that what was going to happen until the flood came. Wait, people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two men will be grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you too must keep Watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. A faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them. Oh man, you guys get... Get ready. Listen to this. If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth. The master will put that servant in charge of all he owns. But what if the servant is evil and thinks my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk. The master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for warnings. Thank you, God, for encouragement. Thank you for your spirit that is life that can lead us out of darkness and into light, Lord, off of the wide way and onto the narrow way, onto the narrow road, God. I pray that you would lead anyone listening to this back into your will, that you would lead them back onto the narrow path, that if they have strayed, that you would draw them back to your heart, that they would remember that they can just repent and turn around and run to you, that you aren't shaming them with a pointed finger and a, and a clenched fist, but that you love them so much that you don't want them to hurt themselves any longer, that you don't want them to walk on the way to hell, that you want them to walk on the way to heaven. And that you want them to follow you and to be sensitive to your spirit and sensitive to your word. So I just thank you for for the warning to keep my focus and my footing. I pray that other people would receive that, that I would, that thank you that I can freely give what I have freely received. And if you are listening to this and you've received something, I pray that you would share it with somebody 
Um, maybe it's a friend who has walked away from the Lord, or maybe it's a grandparent who has become stale in their faith. I don't know. Whoever it is, I just pray that you would share it and that they too would feel encouraged and loved. I love you guys so much. I'm so thankful for my little podcast family. Um, there is quite a, quite a crew that keeps along, keeps up with these podcasts and, and, uh, y'all just keep praying for me that I can continue making time to do this and to share the word of the Lord. And there will be more interviews and conversations coming up in the, in the future episodes. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I love you guys so much. Bye. Brokenness, joy comes in